Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Nevertheless, we're going to get into this show as best as we can. 
Uh, first and foremost, I do want to get into the hors d'oeuvres of the situation, appetize this thing out, and then uh, bring this thing home after an hour for the uh, show. First and foremost, um, in UFC, it wasn't a big night in UFC, but Holly Holm actually got stopped yesterday by a guillotine by Myra Silva. And um, I'm wondering if this does spell the end for her for real. It did glimpses of, you know, things that, stick, that point toward the end of it. But um, she is up there in age. Holly's in her, her 40s now, but still able to compete and got caught in the the, uh, the submission hole, nevertheless, in this fight. And uh, Myra definitely took care of business up against Holly, and I feel bad for Holly because Holly's actually rebuilt her name all the way up all of the last previous fights that she did have. Um she just more or less was saying she's not going anywhere. She's going to keep attacking this thing situation by situation. Um, but Myra was able to stop her run as of uh, yesterday in the octagon. There weren't too many big fights in the octagon yesterday, so I'm not going to really delve too far into the situation in the octagon. Um, but there are um, some notable names. We do have Mike that showed up just now. Uh, Mike, welcome to the brunch. How are you feeling this morning? Man, I'm doing good. Always happy to do this with you and uh, chopping up for the time of Sunday morning brunch while watching the uh, Wimbledon finals. Okay. So your your thoughts on about between home and silver yesterday? Can you hear? I'll be honest with you. I didn't get a chance to see um, as much of that fight as I would have liked yesterday, so I can't comment on that one. Okay, that's fine. All right, so moving right along away from the octagon because there weren't too many, you know, star-studded bouts that took place in the UFC. Um, I'll get right to boxing. Frank Martin actually pulled off a stellar event yesterday in the the square circle. Um, Interesting enough, it it looked interesting early in the fight where um, the guy that he was fighting was applying pressure because of – Frank Martin being a smaller boxer, and once Frank actually figured him out, Frank started tattooing him around the sixth round, and um, it really like like you hear people say it, and you see a lot of boxers or people in the fight world they start head hunting, they start head hunting. Um, once Frank started to attack the body, it slowed the guy down, and he went from being the aggressor, bringing the the fight to him going forward to backpedaling like Deion Sanders in the fourth quarter. Like, he really was trying to get away from Frank, and Frank took the gas out of that tank, and um, he ended up dropping him in the 11th and, and bringing more pressure to him in the 12th. It got nasty late, and um, he ended up winning by decision. And nevertheless, Frank Martin is a fight a fighter out of the stable from Errol Spence, which I really cannot wait. Uh, we are two weeks away. And um, as much as I am a fan of both these guys, I mean, I'm big fans of Terrence Bud Crawford. I'm a huge fan of Arrow, the true Spence. Um, I don't want to see them fight, but it is a legacy fight. Like Arrow saying, he's saying that these two names are kind of like Hagler, Hearns, Hagler, Leonard. This is that type of fight. And it is, but they're both undefeated. You don't want one of them to lose their zero and somebody's is going to have to go. But Frank Martin being a part of the stable and, hearing Frank talk about that fight and things of that nature. But, Mike, your thoughts on the Frank Martin fight and uh, 
looking forward from two weeks from now, how things will look for the uh, Crawford and Spence fight. Yeah, I mean, you know, I thought Frank started tagging him a lot late. Uh, there were a couple people on TV that even said that he still lost the fight by one point on that card. I think uh, it was a close decision. Could have gone either way, but I think you're right. I think he was able to take uh, take some of the gas out of him with his body shots. And, uh, I, you know, he created the, the impression of dominance in the last couple rounds of that fight and kind of left that in the judges' heads, I feel like. But uh, still undefeated, so uh, we'll see. I think that's his last two fights have had to go the distance. But, uh, listen, he's uh, he's in a – He's in a place to to maybe get a good fight uh, next and uh, still continue to push forward. And I just can't wait till Crawford and Spence, man. Like I'm like you, I hate to see him fight, but man, they're both in their prime, able to have this. This this has all the earmarks of a generational type fight, like you were talking about. You know, Hagler, Leonard, and some of these names right there. Uh, this could be, you know, one of those one of those fights here in a couple of weeks, and I just can't wait to see it. And the, the tough situation about this fight that's coming up is taking place in my other home from Connecticut out there in Vegas. And um, I've been invited to go. I just didn't get an invite to go to the fight. They invited me to come out there and watch a fight with them, but that ticket is very high. I'm not going out there to blow that door to go watch that fight. I will stay home to watch this, but I've been invited by a close friend of mine to go out there. But it's like, who can't just go to Vegas, man? But I would love to see that event out there. I know Vegas is going to be rocking. Um, I want to say I've been following both of these guys for a considerable amount of their time as pros. Um, It's tough that these two – actually turn into uh, big names as of the promotion world as of now. All of their other fights have been PBC and things of that nature. They haven't really got the the big money fights as of late. Um, I think Spence just finally got to Showtime, his last three or four fights. Um, But these guys are really trying to fight to make a name for themselves. And not only were they making a name for themselves, they remain unbeaten. And now it's like they're on a collision course. And I'm hoping that whoever loses, doesn't lose the steam. I hope they keep uh, the steam that they deservedly got to. Um, knowing that Crawford is the lighter, smaller fighter that made his way up to 147. And Spence is a welterweight, but he's a bigger guy, but he cuts the weight to make weight for welterweight and has been dominating too. And knowing the things that uh, Bud Crawford has done, while he's gotten to 147, his this is the heaviest he's been in his boxing career, and everybody he's fighting, he's knocking out. And Errol Spence has a high knockout rate too. His his knockout rate is higher than Crawford, so the fireworks are all in line. And Vegas is already lit with the Golden Knights winning the Stanley Cup, and just knowing day by day something's going on in Vegas on a Tuesday, a Thursday, a Wednesday, just knowing that that. And two Saturdays from yesterday, it's going to be pandemonium out there on the strip. And I I just can't wait now. Now that the time is here, I didn't want to see him fight, but it's like now it's around the corner. And Frank kind of set it off, you know, being one of the guys out of uh, Derek's camp. That's their their, uh, trainer because it's him, the Charlo brothers, and Errol Spence. They all uh, fight underneath the same uh, trainer. And um, 
Frank went first, and then you got the Charlo fight that's going to be coming up soon up against Canelo. I really can't wait for that because this is going to be a true test for Canelo now. It's, uh, I really don't like counting that Bavall fight because Bavall was way heavier than him, and all he had to do was just box. If he boxed and, and just kept Canelo at bay, Canelo really couldn't do nothing, and he was way more powerful than Canelo. Canelo is a powerful fighter. So uh, it took a lot out of him, even though Canelo wants to redeem himself. But at least the Charlo fight with Canelo will be very interesting to see if Canelo could run through him or if Charlo could actually stop all of the uh, melee in front of Canelo. So boxing, you're in a good space right now with some electric fights going through the summer, especially approaching September where a lot of the big fights come up around. And uh, November, December is how they close the year out with a lot of the big-time fights. Um Mike, anything else before we get away from boxing? No, I think you covered it real well. Like, those are the big fights coming up. But like you said, lots of good things in the sport, and boxing's in a pretty good position right now. Okay, so we we will move right from that. Interesting enough, uh, this is like the halfway point of the Summer Basketball League, a.k.a. the WNBA. And um, there were some records set. Jewel Lloyd had 31 points. This girl was shooting threes from Afghanistan. She was not playing around. And this is Brittany Griner's first all-star game since being back from facing imprisonment over there in Russia. Um, She actually caught two dunks, and she got the crowd involved in it as well. Um, Watching her have fun, they mic'd her up, and, she shot an air ball and, and just was enjoying herself, man. It was actually fun to see her have fun. I'm not going to lie. When Brittany Griner was Brittany before the imprisonment, I'm not going to say I wasn't a fan of her, but it was like I always wanted to see somebody, like, stop her because she's 6'8". She's a powerhouse in the paint. There's a lot that she can do. Um, but now just, you know, with all that she went through to watch her play, it was like it was, I was I was happy to see her play. and get out there and enjoy yourself and be yourself, even though I feel like they really were trying to give her 10 years for smoking a, a weed cartridge. She's out. I know Russia don't play that. I know that we got that big war going on over there. But now that she's over here, and uh, Sabrina went crazy in the game yesterday also. Like I said, Jewel Lloyd put up 31, and I think she knocked down 10 threes, if I'm not mistaken. She was going crazy. Brittany also went crazy. Brianna Stewart, the Connecticut girl, was also uh, one of the uh, team captains. Uh, Asia Wilson was the other team captain. For, I, I more or less want to say the West, but I, I don't think that's how it really goes. But nevertheless, I did have some eyes toward the game. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on everything from Brittany to Jewel, Sabrina Ionesca, uh, your thoughts? Yeah, so they picked them kind of like they do um... – on the men's side, so it was Team Asia versus Team Brianna, basically. And Asia Wilson finally loses one as an all-star captain. But, yeah, I mean, great to see Brittany back out there and a couple dunks and just getting to be, you know, being back in her element and glad to see her ball. Um, you mentioned 31 points, single-game all-star record. They scored a lot of points in this game. And Sabrina Inescu only missed, like, two shots in the entire last round of the three-point contest. So, listen, there's a lot of talent in the women's game. It was on display this weekend with their um, all-star break, but they still got half a season left and a postseason, so you get a chance to check out some of the women's NBA. They got 
There's some talent in that game for sure. If I had one wish towards the WNBA, I wish it would still get the same coverage like uh, women's college basketball. Because women's college basketball, they come out and watch those girls play. And it's like when they get to the WNBA, it's like nobody like supporting it like it was in college. And it's tough. And it's like I wish they had the same support that they did while they were in college. And um, if they had the same support that they did for the regular NBA, but it's it's a, a far different game. And not to say that the girls don't have talent and, you know, deservedly so. It's just that I can't even really say it's not marketable. It's just people don't want to come out and support that game. And it's tough, especially the days that they do play on and time scheduling, things of that nature. They don't play late night. Um, but I think within like a hmm, – Three to six year window, I think like it'll it'll definitely uh, bump up because they are recognizing this game more and more, and a lot of the the regular NBA people are coming out. Uh, Dwayne Wade, Kevin Durant, Demar Derozan, they all were at the All Star game yesterday, so people are trying to you know build steam forward as much as possible. But um, nevertheless, like I said, WNBA they're at their halfway point. Uh, I'm wondering who can stop the Aces right now, how they're going crazy out west. Uh, my girls, the hometown team, Connecticut Sun, they're probably one of the best teams in the East, but they still have to worry about the Liberty out here. But um, they only have like a couple more uh, weeks, if not a month or so to go. And uh, we'll see how this does end up panning out, moving away from the WNBA. And this season, uh, as we approach the NBA season, that's coming up in October, November. Okay, so, Mike, we are now <laughs> at the midway. I can't really say now. I said this before uh, last week. It's not really the midway point of the MLB season, but it's interesting enough that uh, we just passed the All-Star game and how the fireworks set off at the, the Home Run Derby. Uh, Vlad and Randy were going at it. Some people hitting bombs left and right in that game, or, or the contest, excuse me, um, J-Rod went crazy, had the uh, the round of craziness. but I, I, And it's tough, especially when you get your pitcher coach to just start lobbing you pitches that you can knock out of there. They always gas out after having a huge round. And um, that is unfortunate because he was at home in Seattle and couldn't bring it home. But nevertheless, Vlad and Randy went at it. Vlad ended up bringing it back. The All-Star game was a very interesting one. And it always comes down to the uh, – you know, the last couple of innings where the two-run home run that was hit by the National League for them to end up winning the game 3-2. to two. Um, That's the one thing about the All-Star game right now. It's it's a low-scoring event now. It's not – they aren't running the scoreboard up as best as they possibly can, man. And I know a lot of people want to see these guys go out there and hit bombs and things of that nature. But the game has actually gotten interesting, to say the least. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on All-Star weekend baseball-wise – and uh, moving into the second half, I, well, don't go, don't go into the second half. Just the All Star Weekend because I got the uh, information in front of me right now for the second half. Yeah, so to me, like Home Run Derby was fun. They were doing the different things this year where you kind of got that first three minutes and you got a bonus round. Everybody got thirty seconds, and you got more if you eclipse four hundred forty feet or something with a home run. So. It's kind of cool. One of the performances that didn't really get talked about much beyond that, he got forget, forgotten because he lost to Vladimir Guerrero in the first round. But 
Abby Rutschman hit like 21 home runs in his first three minutes and then came and from the left side of the plate and then came back in his bonus round, turned around, hit from the other side, and hit like eight home runs in nine swings. Did 29 home runs. Uh, he called it a respectable performance. It definitely was. It would have advanced him out of a lotted matchup. But it was not enough to get him past Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and out of the first round. But a nice performance by Adley Rutschman, the kid. It was cool to see um, some of the young stars on display in that game. And, man, when you're getting a lot of the best pitching in the league, it it speaks to why sometimes uh, a lower score in that game. But, uh, you know, it's just kind of cool to see those guys kind of enjoying their time on home run derby night. It kind of reminds me of how some of the players hang out and have fun on, like, All-Star Saturday night uh, the night before. And I'm not necessarily saying that the home run derby is akin to, like, the slam dunk or the three-point contest, but just to see the stars kind of sitting around the stadium, kind of cutting up, hanging out, having a good time. Uh, that was fun to see for the game. And the game itself, like, nice to see the National League pull it off first time in several years. So, uh, you know, they finally, uh, they finally get one and bring one back home. And the American League still has, with, with all their recent success over the last 10, 12 years, uh, the American League now has, like, a three-game advantage total in the series. But, you know, growing up a Braves fan, I've always been a National League guy, so I'm glad to see them get one. I mean, what do you think? The American League is better, of course. Come on, now. This is this is where baseball lives, even though I think the National League is older than the American League for like two or three years. I, think, I remember reading that this week. This week or last week, or something like that. The National League was formed before the American League. Um, nevertheless, I do want to get into this as best as I possibly can. And you are right. I do want to agree with you. I did want to say that before I did get away from it. Um the home run derby is like the three-point shootout or the dunk contest in the NBA. This is basically only event that everybody gets hyped up for. Like, yeah, they do have the softball game, so on and so forth, but everybody comes out to see how far Bomb could get hit or like a J-Rod round where he hits 40-something home runs. Like, you're going nuts. You're a part of history, you know. You're not used to seeing this unless you go to BP before the game, and that's if you get access like that. So, this is this is something that people do got to hang their hat on to say the least bit. Okay, so moving right along, and I usually do this the other way because uh, for the past couple of months or weeks, Tampa Bay was running it. But now I got to go to the National League because they also won the game, and Mike is talking about his boys, and I'm going to give them their credit. So I'm going to go National League first. I really don't know where to start. I'll start Central first because this is the more interesting discussion. The Brewers are at top in the division. They are 51 and 42. The Reds have fallen. They are 50 and 43. They're a game back, but this is a very interesting race. The Reds have done their damage to get here. Can they maintain the consistency of staying in this discussion? They are 64 out of their last 10, but they are on a three-game losing streak. The Chicago Cubs are 43 and 48, seven games back. The Pittsburgh Pirates are 41 and 51, nine and a half back, and the St. Louis Cardinals. A 39 and 53, 11 and a half back. Um, wondering if these guys can get out the cellar, being the Pirates and the Cardinals. 
If not, I really feel like it's a top-heavy situation between the Brewers and the Reds. I don't know if the Cubs have it in them to get into the discussion to be in the top two, but they're at least in the middle of the pack at this point in time. And I I really feel like once they lost all of the good players and like Chris Bryant and Rizzo, they, they've really been trying to find an identity out there in Chicago. They at least redeemed themselves for all of the time that they, you know, just miss grabbing the World Series and, and breaking that, that Billy Goat situation. But now this is a, a two-headed race unless somebody else jumps into this. Mike, your thoughts on the division of the NL Central as a whole? I agree with you on the two-headed race. The uh, you know the old adage in baseball is good pitching uh, always beats good hitting. And what happened this weekend so far is the Reds have run into Corbin Carroll and Freddie Peralta, two of the most talented pitchers with Milwaukee. And they've been able to really have some success against that Reds lineup and kind of keep them down a little bit. So, I mean, yeah, they're going to break out and they're they're going to be uh, successful. To, as of right now, the Brewers have a little bit more pitching. That Reds offense is a little bit more exciting. So, I mean, I agree with you. I think there are there are two seats. Uh, there's one seat at the table, you know, for the division champ. And there's a possibility that one of these teams could possibly be in the wild card discussion. It may be an outside shot. But if they get hot enough, there's a possibility that one of these teams could possibly uh, slide into that wild card. But I still lean more towards one. Uh, Milwaukee having success this weekend looks good, but uh, I still think that Cincinnati offense is pretty exciting. And if they can pitch enough, I, I think they got a good shot to be there. I think that this is a one playoff team division. Uh, the Reds have had a great run. If they fall any further, I, I don't think they'll get out of here. I think the Marlins are playing as consistent as possible unless they fall out of somewhere and the Diamondbacks right now, which I'm going to get into both of these divisions right now. First, I'm going to go to the NL West. The NL West has gotten very interesting as for the past couple of weeks. Me and Mike and others have been talking about how the Diamondbacks have been atop the division. Guess who catches them? None other and the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Dodgers are now 53-38, and 38, uh, leading the division. The Diamondbacks are 52-41, and 41, two games back. The San Francisco Giants are 51-41. and 41. They're two and a half games back. The Padres are 44-49, and 49, 10 games back. And the Rockies are bringing up the bottom of the division, 35-58. and 58. They are 19 games back. The Giants aren't out of this either. The Giants are in the discussion. The Diamondbacks are right in the rearview of the Dodgers, but for some, I can't even say odd or strange. I can't even say some reason the Dodgers dominate the NL West and can convincingly so throughout every summer they get stronger right here. Right around July, August, they just start going on a run. And for the Diamondbacks to have that type of uh, stronghold on a division for the past couple of weeks and to get caught at this point in time is very interesting. Because now this turns into a race, and the Dodgers have been here. They've gotten to the World Series. They've been knocked out of a World Series. So they have that competitive nature. Mike, your thoughts on the NOS as a whole and uh, the race, at least between the top three. It can't even just really be the Dodgers and Diamondbacks. The Giants are in the the, uh, the picture as well. Yeah, the Giants are definitely right there. They're right around that 51-win total, which is 
you know, kind of where you're looking at that Cincinnati over there. But looking at this division, uh, we've talked about the Diamondbacks a lot, but I'm just going to stop for a second and look at this Dodgers team and just be like, listen, this team is um, this team is right there as far as they they just hit the baseball like that. <laughs> I mean, their top five guys in their lineup just mash, but. You know, we talk about Will Smith, who's really become one of the most well-rounded catchers in the game. Uh, Freddie Freeman is, you know, Freddie Freeman, 2,000-plus hits and always towards the top of all the categories. But the guy that's really been playing at a completely different level lately is Mookie Betts. And Mookie, again, four for four yesterday, hitting a ton of home runs. And I'm going to say this – Mookie's bets versatility. He's played some center field and some right field. He's played a lot of second base for them, especially since Miguel Vargas has gone down. He's even started like 10, 12 games at shortstop this year. That defensive versatility and the fact that he can do it in the middle of the diamond on the infield and on the out and in the outfield. I mean, he came up as an infield prospect. And the reason why he, got moved out to the outfield in the first place was because they wanted to get him in the lineup and they had a guy named Dustin Pedroia at second base, right? So, uh, and then he played such a good right field it was hard to pull him out of the outfield. He's got multiple gold gloves out there. He's a very, very good defensive right fielder, but at the time now Vargas is struggling. Uh, They sent him down to AAA. They just kind of tried to figure out the balance there. And, you know, there may not be anything to it, but if you go break down the numbers, Mookie is hitting a lot better uh, when he gets to play the infield. And I think, especially for me right now, if I'm the Dodgers, you don't have anybody knocking the doors down to play second base. The guy you started with has struggled a lot. You got a bunch of veteran outfielders. Maybe you can get another bat and maybe you may do something else, but uh, he's such a big piece to that lineup uh, in the leadoff spot and just uh, to that whole offense and for what that team does. I feel like I would probably play Mookie, Bait, Mookie Betts at second base more than the outfield the rest of this year just because I think it's a little bit less of a toll on his legs and I think it keeps him fresher at the plate. Are you going to say Mookie Blaylock? Are you going to go basketball on me? That's what you're going to do? No. Okay. No, nah, um, Mookie Bay to second base. Uh, that's what so I think. You, you said somebody else, man. You said Mookie Bay or Blay. I don't know. That's someone. <laughs> it's okay, though. Don't, don't worry, Sports City. We got him. Don't worry. It's, it's recorded. Don't worry. I'm not. I ain't lying. I know I'm not. Well, um, the one thing about this division I'm worried about is do the Diamondbacks stay consistent? Can they stay in this discussion? Because I really feel like I said, uh, you know, how I framed it for Mike for these three teams. I think that these three teams will make the playoffs. I really feel like they can. I don't know if the Marlins can hang on to where they're at right now, the way that they've been playing. Um, electric, but do they start to fall apart if they get closer to August, September? That's the one thing I'm worried about. The Diamondbacks and the Giants, you don't know what's going on. The Diamondbacks have been playing so strong all year long, and the Giants have been in this discussion for however long especially with the – I don't even like talking about this rivalry, but the, the Giants and the Dodgers, how these two go at it 
year after year. So if they know the Dodgers are in the hunt, it's like that gives them a competitive nature to go after them. I still just I'm so bitter about the this Brian Stowe uh, story. That's why I just don't like talking about it. But it's, it's baseball, and um, it happened, and the time is coming going. But definitely want to see see how this division does end up panning out. But I really feel like these three teams can make it interesting. The Padres, if if they could just get this, uh, Mike talks about it all the time. If their pitcher could get come around and be a factor, because they have the names in that lineup, but they just have been able to pull out a string of wins that the uh, you know, defeat the purpose. They're on a two game losing streak right now, where they need to start, you know picking off wins to get back in the discussion. They're five games under 500. Let me not uh, get stuck on talking about teams. Well, I am going to end up getting stuck talking talking about teams that are underachieving, and this is right here in the next division I'm going into in the NL East where we have the best team in baseball at this point in time. Michael Harvey's Atlanta Braves are 61-30 at this point in time. The Miami Marlins are 53-41. and They are nine and a half back with the season that they are having. The Philadelphia Phillies have turned things around. They are 50 and 42. They are 11 and a half back. I had to take a deep breath. The Mets are 42 and 50, 19 and a half back, eight games under 500. And the Washington Nationals are 37 and 55, rounding out the bottom of the division, 24 and a half back. People, my friend, he's like a brother to me, and I fight with him like he's my brother for real. Just told me yesterday that he went to the game. I think it was Friday. And the Mets had a home game up against the Dodgers. And the Dodgers roughed up the Mets. And the crazy part about the Mets is Verlander started. The bad part about this is Verlander had a good game as usual. Verlander isn't the one that's getting rocked. The bullpen came in here. The Dodgers took care of him them out of the, road, the bullpen and, and won the game. The Mets have spent so much money to try to turn this season around is not turning around for nothing. And it's like they got to look toward next year. They got to look toward next year. And they play songs out here or clips or snippets like, oh, the season started and the season's over for the Mets and stuff like that. And it's like you guys have to get back in the discussion, but the lead is so significant, at least for the NL East, you guys have to fight for a wild card and you guys have to pull off a string of wins like not now, but right now, like not not right now, right now, like you gotta be down south to say it like that. And um, like I said, the Marlins are fired. The Phillies got back into this discussion. They are below the Phillies, and they are eight games behind the Phillies for at least that second wild card to make it interesting. Mike was talking about a second team, whether the Brewers or the Reds fight for a wild card. The three teams that we that I mentioned with the Dodgers, Diamondbacks, or the Giants, the Braves, and the Marlins are in the discussion with the Phillies right there as well. I don't think the Mets get nowhere near the discussion. It's like they are struggling so bad to make this happen. When do the Mets finally eclipse this this black cloud in the sky? Like how and when the consistency has to be there. They they got names that should be able to put offense together, and they just can't. They're losing games marginally. Uh, but, Mike, your thoughts on your division, your team doing the work within the NL East or – to get the NL East to do it within the, the entire major leagues at this point in time as well. Yeah, so I think the Braves, I mean, still offensively at record pace right now. They lost last night. But playing at a record pace, this offense is on pace to shatter all kinds of home run records. Uh, they're going to cool off some. I mean, that's the nature of the beast. 
Uh, looking at that rotation, uh, Spencer Strider got knocked around a little bit yesterday, but even in a bad start, he still gave you six innings with ten strikeouts. He gave up five runs, um, and they hit it pretty good against it. But, I mean, once again, Wills didn't came, come off. He still got you six innings with ten strikeouts. They were in that game with a chance to win it. We're not able to pull it out, but they were right there. Uh, Acuna now has 23 home runs and 43 steals already uh, with that 332 average that he's sporting. So uh, pretty impressive, too. Luisa Rice in this division uh, now hitting around 386 uh, going into today. So, uh, you know, far away above beyond anybody else in all of baseball. Uh, hitting the ball. The Phillies, uh, you know, you mentioned the Padres a minute ago. The Phillies won both ends of a doubleheader uh, from the Padres yesterday. Uh, the Padres were able to win on Friday night with you, Darvish, on the mound. But uh, they dropped both games yesterday. The Mets and the Padres are two teams that I talked about on Thursday night, Roundtable Gumbo, saying that this was a critical, critical time. Uh, for these teams, the Mets dropping their first two coming out of the All-Star break. Uh, Julio Urias pitched really well for the Dodgers on uh, Thursday, and they got Bobby Miller, the fireball, going tonight. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But uh, th- this is uh, this is big for the Mets, unless they can somehow – this feels like a must-win game for them today. As much as any games that must win over 162, this team's going to have to go on, on a run. Otherwise, this may be the last chance. That, I mean, that, they're pretty far out of this race. I mean, you look with what the Marlins are doing, the fact that Philly has really gotten back on track and playing the kind of ball they are. I, I really think, you know, to be fair, TP, uh, I say that you could possibly get a second wild card team out of the central, but I think the East and the West are where the wild cards are probably coming from. Uh, to be quite honest with you, I, I just I think there's too much firepower uh, in those two divisions. East was up making them retract their statements. Look at this. This, this he, give me some credit. I got Mike using that brain this morning. See, he went from saying that there's a shot out the central. I had to make him rethink that because. And, and that's the one thing I'm fighting with is if the Marlins do stay consistent, they have to um, lean in on Arias and following his lead from leaving a team somewhere in the middle of America. I don't know how they let him go. I don't know how. But um, he's, he's a leader to help this team get to where they are right now. If they remain consistent, they are in the discussion. And the way the NOS is locked and loaded, at least those top two teams outside of the Dodgers in the top spot, between the Diamondbacks and the Giants, I feel like they're in the discussion for the wild card. I I, I really feel like the NL Central is a one-team playoff bid. I feel like their automatic bid is the only shot that they got to get into the playoffs. Unless somebody starts running, whether the Reds or Brewers, they just compete and make this very interesting. Okay, so moving right along to the American League. Now, Sports City, this is going to get very, very, very interesting. Um. <laughs> I don't know where to start in this league right now because I feel a certain way about my team because finally something's starting to go their way, but it's, I'm not even buying it. I'm not buying it. I'm not. I'm not because um, who the point? So first and foremost, I will go to the – I'll start with us. I'll go with the Hill Central. The Twins are in first place 
47-46. They are on a two-game winning streak going to Oakland and still in the first two out of the series coming back from the All-Star break. That's why I'm not buying it, Sports City. They got to prove that they can beat a team that's struggling and ready to leave Oakland. Um, second place is the Cleveland Guardians. They're 45-47. They're a game and a half back. Uh, in trouble out of their last couple of games. They're on a three-game losing streak, and they go into New York today. That game may be rained out. I do want to watch that closely. They do play the uh, Yankees today and Yankee Stadium. I do want to watch that close. This is the first time I'm going to say this in a while. Yankees, I need you to win. <laughs> I need you to win today. I need y'all to win for real. Get the Guardians out of my rear view, please. The Detroit Tigers are 41-55 games back. The Chicago White Sox are 39-55, 8.5 back. And the Kansas City Royals are 26-67, and 67, 21 games back, fighting for close to being the worst team in baseball. They are right in the rear view of the Oakland Athletics for that. Mike, your thoughts on the AL Central or how it's going down at this point in time? I think the Guardians are actually playing the Rangers this weekend. Uh, not the Yankees, because uh, yeah, I think the My Guardians friend said he was going the to the Yankees. game today. He, he, wait, I want to make sure, because he said it was the Guardians-Yankees today. That's what he said he was going. Right. So that's the Yankees why. are playing the Rockies this weekend, I believe, and they split the first two. Because uh, the Rangers won two to nothing over the Guardians uh, yesterday, right? Uh, so I, I I think that that's who's still uh, matched up. So, but looking at this division, I mean, the Twins are doing what they're supposed to do. Like you get Oakland this weekend, Cleveland gets Texas. So uh, that's where you got to make up some ground. Uh, this is, you know, Miami was a little shaky last time out, so he's been a little bit inconsistent since he's gotten back, but. Uh, you know, they, they've got pitching. They've got uh, – just got to get some guys going, get it figured out offensively. Uh, you know, they're they're hitting a, a ton of home runs, but still striking out a lot in, uh, in Minnesota. But I just – I don't feel like Cleveland with another injury to that pitching staff. I think Shane Beaver's going on the aisle for a little while. Um, and he's their eighth. Like, he's their main – Can you hear me? Oh, Mike must have lost the call. Okay, so Mike did lose the call. He must be having a little technical difficulty. We will figure that out uh, in just a little bit. Um, nevertheless, I'll try to move on the best as I possibly can until he gets back here. Um, looking at the situation from the AL Central at this point in time, I <laughs> it's just tough. The Twins have to be uh, – potential to sweep this series with the A's at this point in time. Um, they can pull it off. Joe Ryan's at the uh, bump today. They're going up against the starter. That's out in Oakland, and he's one and six at this point in time. So hopefully the Twins can corral this situation. It's going to be tough. And, and like I, I mentioned before with the, the uh, Guardian situation, I, I know the uh, – I've been watching it closely between them and the Rangers, and I'm like, thank goodness they're playing the Rangers because the Rangers ain't going to be a pushover for the Guardians to come up in there and just – just use their offense as best as they possibly can to get into this uh this run and hopefully they can do damage and um struggle as much as I I'm I'm being biased. I'm I'm that diehard twins fan, of course, but 
hope hopefully the Guardians run into a, a, a patch of some situations. You know, at this point in time, the Tigers are definitely in the discussion, but they're under 500. I don't know if they could climb out of this hole, and the White Sox had a big win the other day too. But we will see how this does end up panning out. We do have Mike back after losing him, I think. So, Mike, are you there? Yeah, you know, I was talking away and didn't realize I had dropped off the call, and I was like, wait a minute. So (laughs) what I said was I feel like the the Twins are doing what they're supposed to do this weekend, right? You got the A's and the Guardians have Texas. So you're supposed to make up some ground here. I'm still looking to see if the Twins can cut down on strikeouts a little bit. Uh, I think Joe Ryan is pitching today for them. I think I heard you say it as I got back in. Uh, So they just got to, you know, continue to string together some quality starts and get things done. Looking at Cleveland, uh, Shane Bieber's out now, too. So he's their ace, and you already are missing Tristan McKenzie. He's pretty much been out most of the year and may not be able to contribute. So I, I think that pitching injuries are starting to catch up for Cleveland. Their offense has started to come around of late and hit the ball a good bit better. Uh, but at the end of the day, you still have to get people out. And if they can't get that pitching, they got to have Shane Bieber to enter that rotation. Uh, they really need McKenzie. This Cleveland team is just not as formidable without either one of those. But uh, it, it's still – one of those two teams at the top of this division. Uh, you know, the Tigers coming out of the gate, uh, beat, winning two games straight against the Seattle team that I'm sure we're going to talk about a little bit more here in a minute. Uh, but Edwin Rodriguez was a good performance on, on Friday night. So that's another guy to look at some trade deadline to see if uh, Detroit decides to trade him and some of their younger arms and other guys are starting to come back. So, uh, Edwin Rodriguez, the piece that gets moved around the deadline. To me, I'm just looking around this division, looking uh, for trade candidates. Lance Lynch pitched pretty good last night for the White Sox. So uh, I I think a lot of teams in this division are going to sell. Uh, the question is how much are they going to sell and how much do other teams want. But uh, it, there's at least going to be one seat at the table, I feel like probably to the Twins, but to the Twins are brought into this division. They have to remain consistent in the one. There's two pieces that you said in the, the runoff that you said about the Twins, and it's at the, it's at the bump. Um, I don't even know how to address one of them. One of them is Maeda. Um, Maeda is the pitcher that struggles a lot, and I'm not comfortable when he starts. Every time he starts, I feel like somebody's on a rope him. Like, they, they know where his ball is pitched. Where every time he's throwing the ball, they they get him and, and – they start rubbing him up around the third or fourth inning, and it's like they struggle to push him to the fourth, fifth, and sixth inning. It's like, no, if he's getting roughed up, get him out of there before we get men on base. They get people in scoring position, and then it's trouble. Maeda's been doing that, but not as of late. He's actually been coming up with some good outcomes recently, but I don't want this to spill into the latter part of the summer and then this be a thing, um, especially with him bouncing back from his surgery from last year. The other one is, our all-star at that, the only one, Lopez. Now, if Lopez could get some run support, it'd be great. They roughed him up yesterday. Even though we won 10-7 up against Oakland, he gave up seven runs in a matter of six innings. Um, 
that's the one thing that bothers me because he has a good strikeout rate, but um, when he starts giving up runs, it's, it's bothersome because it, it, it hurts the team. And um, <laughs> I really feel like the morale drops when he when he's up there, and it's, it's like they want to support him, but it's just something goes wrong every time he's on the bump. So hopefully, Lopez can ha- start having stronger, you know, outcomes and. He already had a complete game. Him and Joe Ryan are the only two that had a complete game finish this season for the Twins because Rocco does not play. Rocco always pulls these guys out by six or seven innings, and um, hopefully they can just stay consistent. They they got to stay out of their own way. And like Mike hit on, I think that's the the talk around the league is uh, if the Twins could produce runs and stop striking out and, and making things count. Um, even yesterday during the game, Byron Buxton was hype about getting walked. Like he started screaming and clapping because it was a bases loaded walk that produced the run. But it's like, when are you going to get back on the ball? Now they're talking about trying to put him in the outfield and trying to work him to play in the field. Hopefully this makes him better. I, I don't know. Like um, they want him to be a DH. Carlos Correa got him to accept the DH role, and now they want to get him in the field. Ooh, it's chaos right now. Rocco, you got to turn this thing around. Hopefully you guys can not only just win in Oakland, but start using this as like a stepping stone against other teams within the league. Okay, so I could talk about this doggone team forever. Y'all know me. Uh, Let me go into the AL West. The Rangers are top of the division, 54 and 39. The Houston Nationals are 51 and 42, three games back. The Angels are 46 and 47, a game under 500, eight games back. The Mariners are 45 and 46. They are eight games back, and the Oakland A's, the worst team in baseball, 25 and 69. They are 29 and a half games back, in which Otani has hit his 33rd home run on the season. He is supposed to start his next time. I think it's today he might be pitching. This dude is incredible. Um, And he's already making waves about where he may potentially go. He said he doesn't want to lose. We've been talking about that for the past couple of weeks, whatever. San Francisco is a destination from what I read today. And knowing that they do have an interesting Asian population there, he would definitely get the support out there too. But San Fran is a team that he's actually mentioned. But I don't I don't I don't want them to start making that hoopla now. Let him play and have this MVP season and keep amazing us. If if they're not amazed, I'm amazed. I'll be amazed by myself. I'm amazed at what Otani can do. Otani is taking his league by storm like how I remember when Ichiro came to the league, and we didn't see somebody get up to the plate and just make contact every time he got up there. We thought he was cheating when he was slap hitting and getting the first base because he's already on that side of the field and, and had speed already. I, I, I love what Shohei's able to do. I, I would to be competitive. I would love for him to make a name for himself in Anaheim, but I get it. They're not getting out of the cellar like I just mentioned. They are below 500 at this point in time and. They can't really put nobody around them because of the contracts that they're going to end up soaking up. If he stays there, they're going to be playing with uh, the Bad News Bears. There's going to be kids on the team. So, Mike, your, your thoughts on the AL West at this point in time, Rangers down, and the Otani season? Well, you know, it's interesting with this Angels team because I talked about it last week and I said earlier this week that I thought this is a team that, the spotlight's really going to be on coming out of the break. Uh, they're, they lost on Friday night. I think Otani pitched Friday and he aggravated that blister. So we'll see what happens as far as 
He's going to make his next start next week. But, you know, I said last week I thought they should trade him. They still say that the prevailing opinions right now coming out of that is that they're not going to. They're just going to let him. Because they feel like they still have a legitimate shot to re-sign him. I don't understand how. And they think that if they were to trade him, that would completely eliminate the chances of being able to re-sign him. And, uh, uh, you know, yesterday was an interesting thing, and this may not, this may be a little one-off, so we'll see. Uh, Angels were down 93, came all the way back, and then they were down 12 to 9. Uh, they were down 93 to 7. They were down 12 to 9 in the, uh, in the ninth inning. Scored three more and came back and then were able to win this game and late, like 13 to 12. Uh, so they came off the deck and came back and won last night against Houston. Sometimes teams will use a performance like that and it'll springboard them into a hot streak. I don't know how this team is going to do that because uh, I just don't think they have the pieces, but we'll see uh, if they can take any momentum from that game last night. They got the kid Neto back at shortstop. They got Renfro back. They got uh, Taylor Ward. They got uh, Mikey Money over number one overall pick uh, who came in from Philly playing in the outfield for them. So, I mean, they got some pieces to try. Uh, but I just I just don't think they, they have the horses. I mean, Texans had as many as six guys on the field at the same time in the All-Star game. Offensively, they're tough. They're still finding a way to get it done on the mound. This is a team that I still think is going to try to make a couple moves. Aroldis Chapman got a big save for them yesterday against Cleveland, so he brings another dynamic onto their bullpen that they got for pretty cheap from Kansas City. So that was kind of the first acquisition at the trade deadline, really. Texas pulled that off a couple weeks ago to bring in a role as Chapman, a guy who has some postseason experience uh, coming out of the bullpen uh, for a team. Seattle, I felt like they were playing really good ball going into the break, but coming out and losing two in a row uh, to the Tigers does not help your case. Uh, but Seattle's going to have to get hot. They're going to be in this conversation. And be in the playoff picture because this division that we're about to talk about uh, is if <laughs> uh, if they don't watch it in the uh, in the West, every, everybody in this other division could uh, all your wild card teams could kind of come out of it. But I do believe at least one team uh, has a chance to be in the discussion for part of the division between Texas and Houston. Uh, just because I think both teams are really good. And then Houston should be getting uh, Jordan Alvarez back uh, really soon as well. And Framber Valdez pitched really well um, when he threw the ball last night. So uh, Houston's got horses, and they're going to be there. Uh, they're, they're kind of in Texas' view right now, but uh, but we'll see if, uh, if they can walk them down or not. But uh, they're not quite as close as they were a week ago, but... Uh, they're right there with the Texas Rangers. Moving right along into the last division of the league right now, which is the best division in baseball, the American League East. The Tampa Bay Rays are fighting with the Atlanta Braves for best record in the league, but they are considerably behind them. 
They are now 60-35. and 35. They're on a three-game winning streak. The Baltimore Orioles, surprisingly so, are second place, 56-35. They are two games back. The Toronto Blue Jays are 52-41, and 41, seven games back. The Yankees are 50 and 43, nine games back, jostling with the Boston Red Sox, who are 49 and 44, who are 10 games back. These two just switched as of yesterday. The Yankees were in last place, and uh, the Red Sox were there yesterday in fourth place. But I feel like this is going to continue to go. There was something Mike was saying on the show Thursday. He felt like the Yankees would actually be coming out of this as a wild card. And I was like, whoa, I came in and tried to help him out, but he started shutting down. I don't think the Yankees make it. The Yankees need Judge around. Um, (laughs) They have their issues. They are now falling to the bottom of the division, even though it's not a bad record. They are 50 and 43 at this point in time. If the Red Sox can continue to play as steady as they can, they could get back into the discussion as well. They are 8-2 and out of their last 10. The Yankees have to pull this out somehow, some way. They are 4-6 and out of their last 10, and they finally got a win. The Blue Jays are playing good at this point in time, putting it together at the right time, finding each other as well with Bichette and, and Vlad playing some good ball as of late. I, I just, It was just something Mike said Thursday as well. I don't know about the Rays, especially the way that they've actually been uh, getting clobbered as of late. They're 3-7 and seven out of their last 10. Um, the way that they came out of the gate, it was a very impressive run. Now they come back to earth, and it's like, are you guys going to hang on to the division? Or are you guys going to lose it? Can the Orioles catch you guys? Do the Orioles end up winning the division? I know nobody that's in the AL East, whether it's a Yankee fan or a Red Sox fan, wants to hear the Orioles win the division. I mean, the Rays have definitely done their thing the past couple of seasons, making runs here or there. But the Orioles are actually finally coming out of nowhere and putting it together, especially the way that they've been having, you know, supported to play in. All-star pitcher Batista as well are doing this thing. They've been impressive as of this point in time. Can they stay consistent as we get closer to the month of August where we start to see the dog days of the situation? But, again, like I said previously, the Yankees and Red Sox, that rivalry is always what it's always going to be. They're going to be jostling for the bottom of the division at this point in time unless the Blue Jays don't start to collapse and everybody else in front of them don't collapse. But right now it's going to be very interesting as everybody's above 500, the best team, the best division in baseball, and – um Hopefully people are up for the challenge to actually finally eclipse the Yankees for at least a season for now, you know, and, and make this a continual thing. But, you know, you got to deal with the, the bombers of the Bronx and um, everybody's waiting on to see what the health situation is around Aaron Judge. Does he come back or what? But, Mike, your thoughts on the AL East, you know, altogether, how do you feel this is just basically a lottery jump right now? Well, actually, what I was thinking the other day was I thought this is the chance for Toronto to take off. Uh, and this, and I thought the spotlight would be on the Yankees to see um, if they can really do anything right. But I, I'm expecting uh, there to be a lot of heat on this Toronto team to try to separate themselves with the Yankees being as beat up as they are. And with the health, with, with the health around that team, uh, Toronto, you better be able to separate yourself. So we'll see if they can. A nice start coming out of the all-star break for the Blue Jays, even though Gossman couldn't pitch yesterday. Uh, he had to be pushed back. Uh, between Jose Barrios and Chris Bassett, they were able to get two wins 
coming out of the break against the Diamondbacks. So, no, that's a tough opponent to play, to play coming out of the break. And Blue Jays doing a nice job there. Whit Merrifield, uh, a veteran, former Kansas City Royal, uh, hitting 290-plus this year. And Bo Bichette has, like, 126 hits to lead the uh, American League in base hits. So, uh, impressive with what I'm seeing out of uh, Bichette as well. And then the Blue Jays are a week or two away from getting back him, Junior Yu, as well, uh, to bring back to that rotation. So, uh, Alec Manoa came back and pitched well last time out after going down to their developmental complex to try to fix him up. So, uh, we'll see. As, you know, I said all year, Toronto can pitch enough. This is a really good offense. Uh, you keep hitting on Baltimore, and you keep kind of expecting them to fade, but they keep hanging around. Uh, the Baltimore Orioles are legit. They won the first two this weekend uh, from the Miami Marlins. And uh, this Baltimore team doesn't look like uh, they're going anywhere in time. So uh, Baltimore's going to be a problem. I feel like that. Tampa has started to fade time. As I said before, they lost three to the Phillies, lost two to the Braves. They did win the last game of that Braves series last Sunday. Uh, you know, one of the best players in baseball that nobody even knows is Yankee Diaz. Uh, he pretty much leading the American League as far as average-wise. Uh, the guy's really got some pop in his back, and this whole raised lineup up and down. They got some good offensive players. I just don't, funny enough, once again, I think the injuries to the pitching staff may be what brings them back to the pack. They got to get back and see if they keep guys now out there and get some guys healthy because they're already missing several, several pieces. This Red Sox team just finds a way to sort of hang around, man. It's like one week, they're three games under 500 in the game below. Uh, but now, like you said, they're one game behind the Yankees. And keep in mind, the Red Sox are getting uh, akin to what would be like a trade deadline prospect coming back as well. Uh, coming back in early August, we could have Trevor Story uh, back in the lineup to play shortstop for the Red Sox, the former Colorado Rocky. They brought him over a year or two ago. It was going to have him play second with uh, since Andrew Bogarts was there at shortstop. But now that Bogarts has moved on and Trevor Story is still under contract, he can uh, slide over to his more natural uh, position at shortstop. And so if he can be back and healthy in August and fresh, that, that gives him another bat. It's capable of producing in the middle of that line. So, uh, That'll be interesting to see with Boston. I don't know that they have enough pitching uh, to hang around TP as far as really get into the playoff picture. But there is a strong possibility that, you know, three teams from this division make the playoffs. Uh, two of the three wild cards, I still think one of them is going to come out of the way. But, you know, you could see a scenario where uh, all three teams, could come out of this division. I don't think that's going to happen. But you could see a scenario where that battle for last place in the uh, or for fourth place in the AL East also ends up being a battle for the final uh, playoff spot. I don't really think that's going to be the case, but it could. 
And uh, this is just it's a good division. A lot of good teams, and uh, and I think that with the schedule being more balanced this year, uh, you're getting a better feel for how good some of these teams are. Uh, because you're not playing as many games in one division as you see the rest of the league. I'm really not concerned about the pitching for the rest of even though they have to be, you know, sturdy as possible to get them through. Their offense has been able to do just enough. But with them at the bottom of the division, they have something to chase. They're eight and two out of their last ten, so they have something to build off of. I feel like they're dangerous as it is right now, knowing that they do have some postseason presence out of the last at least decade or so to at least get somewhere. So this is a threat for them that I don't think that they're out of the race by no means, uh, especially when they do have to start playing like the Yankees when they start to come to the bottom half of the rivalry and their uh, their matchups as it comes down closer to the end of the season too. Those are going to be very pivotal to see where they are at that point in time and who needs to win what. And if they're playing in Boston or if they're playing in the Bronx, it's going to be very critical uh you know, how this thing does end up panning out. I really feel at least one of the wild cards come out of the AL East. Um, depending on what the Ashes can do, it, it sure won't be a wild card out of the AL Central, that's for sure. Um, I just, just, just hope the Yankees don't get hot and start catching everybody, which it can happen. But uh, one thing, like I said before, if Stanton can stay on the field and stay healthy, and everything is based upon if they could just get everybody back at the right time and then start to put a storm together, uh, being the Yankees and, and how significant of a ligament damage is to that toe because it is off the plant foot of Aaron Judges. So they need him out there as best as possible. All right. Well, Mike, we are rounding out the show. Thank you for helping me clean this kitchen up as best as possible. Um, plug, close out. Anything that you'd like to promote as we start another week and end this show here at the brunch? I'm going to call it right now the biggest media market in America. Up there by where you live, the NYC will not be presented in the MLB playoffs this year. So there will not be a team from New York. Both sides of the city. You telling me Queens? You telling me Queens and the Bronx are going to be shut down for the postseason? No, they're watching from the couch or Cancun or wherever they want to go. Uh, But but listen, um, Aaron Judge uh, for everybody from Aaron Judge to Stone Marte to Francisco Lindor. To Justin Berland, all the they're gonna play as many postseason games as you and me. So, uh, we'll see sports mm-hmm. if I'm wrong. I'll, uh, I'll tell you I'm wrong. <laughs> One Sunday when we picking our regular games, I'll tell you I missed on on saying this team wasn't gonna make the playoffs. But I, I think this year we're going to have a New York free playoff. So, uh, yeah, y'all enjoy. Y'all gonna be sitting at home watching with me, everybody in the entire state. And uh, yeah, it won't hurt my feelings any, to be honest with you. But let's see. A lot of baseball left, man. Check out the website, sportscitychefs.com. We got write ups. Uh, Barry just recently wrote an article on the All Star game. Uh, got several, uh, got a couple finger foods out there. Got one coming up on LSU baseball. We also have, uh, all kind of, like I said, articles, 
Finger Foods. Uh, we got shows throughout the week, 9 o'clock Eastern time on the weeknights that we hit you up. We'll be having more Tuesdays coming closer to uh, football season. We have Wednesday night the college cookout and Thursday night roundtable gumbo with Chandler and myself. Prayers up to Chandler. Hope we get to feel better soon, brother. Uh, you know, you're going through some health things right now, man. So uh, you're my thoughts and prayers every day, brother. Uh, get to feeling better. So 9 o'clock Eastern Time, 8 Central, 7 Mountain, 6 Pacific is what time you can find us coming through your speaker live on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night. Uh, TP and I talking a little bit about maybe getting some tailgating back on during college football season, you know, just like we got right now. The mothership of them all, the, the time of Sunday morning brunch is when I get to hang out with the head hotel and uh, chop it up for you guys at Sports City. Talk about what went on the weekend at the table. So check out our site, our blogs, everything we got going on. Don't forget, like we talked about earlier, there's big expectations for the Eagles. The Phillies are starting to rally. Go to phiapparel.co. Use that promo code CHEFS at checkout. Get yourself 15% off. And before I get out of here, uh, once again, as always, much love to you, TP, man. Without you, wouldn't be here. Love and respect to you, my brother from another mother. Respect to the other chefs as well. Uh, villain, serious. Uh, Tanner, all of you guys that make Sports City what it is, and to the listeners as well, because uh, you guys have been most of the points for us to be here. In the meantime, in between times, and until next time, my brother, laissez, les bons temps Peace. Yes, Sports City, stay tuned to everything that we got going on throughout the week, that is for sure. Um, very interesting week coming up, as I said at the beginning of the show. July 22nd, which is Saturday, the Lions report to training camp. Them and the Kansas City Chiefs reported the same day because they have the first game of the season, week one, on that Thursday night when the banner goes up and they receive – well, I think they got their rings already, but the banner goes up in Kansas City. So we got to be ready for that. Football is around the corner. I could definitely smell it and hear more news and notes out of there as well. Um, continue to support us, like I said, PHI Powell, of course. Uh, quick note, I made a false statement last weekend, and I'm happy that I did make a false statement. So before the show started, I was advised that my cousin was no longer here. My cousin fought through that. <laughs> my cousin fought through that. He is still unresponsive, but he fought through it. They thought that he was gone. He is still here. So for everybody that has called and prayed and sent me texts, things of that nature, thank you, because it's helping. It's helping. I got real emotional that day, so I'm thankful for all of that. I'm thankful for the people that are still here in my life and fighting with me and fighting for me and fighting against me, whatever, man, I need it, man. It's all good. And any nature, any energy, I I can take it. Every blessing I've received, I'm from the bottom as well, y'all. that's all I got right now, man. Until next week, like I said, we probably get more involved into some more NFL talk, that's for sure. And we're coming close to the uh, mega fight of the year, if not probably the decade, with the Spence Crawford bout coming up soon. But on that note, tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the chef again. And if they don't know, now they know. City chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on the spoon. They well in tune, blown like a flower in June. Superman verse, MF Doom, the clouds loom. So tell a friend, it's the Sports City chefs again. Pay attention.
Uh-huh.